You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. This Sunday, we continue the beginning sermon series. Here's Pastor Rick with a sermon that's simply titled, Or. So look, today I'm going to talk about or. It sounds like between two things, this or that, one or two, A or B, you know, those kinds of things. And, and, and the, the two things I'm going to throw at you, uh, and these are several of them, the two things I'm going to throw at they may not look like they're, they're that different. You might even say, well, that's just kind of semantics. That's the way it looks at first, but when you dig into it and you really think about what those two different words mean, you will realize how different they are, how, how important this is. Okay, this first one is kind of the beginning, and it's kind of the setup for the whole sermon. If, if you get this, you'll understand the rest, okay? Are you a believer or a follower? Believer or a follower. Now, we use those words kind of interchangeably, right? So we don't think they're very different, do we? Well, uh, Ray, uh, Rob Grayson, uh, I don't even know who this guy is. I, I just found this. Man, that was great. So let me just kick this off this morning. He said, believing in a doctrine in your head is quite a different thing from determining to live your life a certain way. Amen, Brother Rob. Great great plan, great, great, uh, great quote there. That's, that's, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Believing is different than following. Now, here's the reason I want you to get this. You know, when I, when I hear from counselors, talk to counselors, Christian counselors, and they talk about counseling Christian people, you know, one of the things they tell me is they tell me that, for the most part, Christians have the same problems that non-Christians do. They're dealing with the same stuff. But that's not the way it's supposed to be, is it? That's, that's not the way, you know, when Christ said he's come to give us life and life more abundantly, he didn't mean that things are supposed to keep going the way they're going. You know, we were just singing that song just a moment ago. I was thinking about this, so I, I, I was backstage just before coming out. We were singing that song, you know, about all our deserts are rivers of joy. Man, isn't that an awesome line? Is that true for you, though? You ever sing a song like that and you say, oh, my deserts are rivers of joy. You think, well, not really. You ever think that? Eh, no, no, that one's kind of pretty much still a desert in my life. You know, that, one, that, one's, pretty, that one's pretty dry. That one's pretty, that, that's, and you ever think that? It's not supposed to be that way. Let me tell you why it is. All of us, we all begin as believers, but we've got to understand that we've got to go beyond. This is just the beginning. We can't just stay at being a believer. we got to get somewhere else, and the place we got to get to is being a follower. Okay, let, let me show you. Uh, that, that, there's a good quote, but let me, let me kind of paint this picture a little bit more for you here. In Luke chapter 9, I believe it is, at the end of chapter 9, you can see verse 57, so this is a long chapter right there. Uh, at the end of, of Luke chapter 9, uh, there's, there's a little, little, three little stories really kind of told right there. And, and I don't think they happen back to back. I think, I think what Luke is trying to tell us is this, this probably happened pretty regularly, okay? And, and verse 57 says that as Jesus and the disciples were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, that's a pretty bold statement. I'll follow you wherever you go. You know, he didn't follow at all because, I mean, Jesus said, tells him one thing. We don't hear anything else from this guy. I mean, he doesn't say, and so he followed him. The scripture doesn't say that. I mean, it just kind of goes away. It's just like it's over. You know what this guy's thing was? The, the, the thing that he said, I'll follow you anywhere you, anywhere you go. Do, do you know what this guy's thing was that kept him from really following Jesus? He was like some of you, you know, any of you here that 
You know, you say your idea of roughing it is staying in a hotel that doesn't have TV, right? That's, that was what this guy's problem was. Jesus told him when he says, I'll follow you anywhere you go. He says, well, listen, I don't even have anywhere to sleep tonight. And we don't hear anything else from him. The guy's gone. That was his thing. He couldn't even follow Jesus, I mean, just to camp out one night. He said he would follow him everywhere he would go. Another guy talks to Jesus about following him. And he's got, but he's got some things in his life that are more important than following Jesus right now. And so that's why he doesn't follow. Another guy talks to Jesus about following him, and, and, and he's got some family issues that are unresolved, some things that he's got to go home and, and, and let me go fix some things. Let me go, let me go say goodbye and take care of some little things, and, and we don't hear from him anymore as well. You know, here's the thing is lots of people get excited about believing in Jesus, but not everybody's excited about following Jesus. He's saying that's the difference. Are you a believer or are you a follower? John 3.16, you ever heard of that one? John 3.16? Let's read it together. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Okay, we've heard that, right? So how do we get eternal life? How do we get eternal life? There it is right there, okay? I, I need somebody. Anybody that you did really well in English because first service, I didn't have any help at all. Anybody? Now, now. As, I, as, as Kyle was coming off stage and I was coming on stage, he told me you were a rough crowd this morning. He said he's having a hard time getting anything out of you. I need somebody that knows something about English right now. Anybody do well in English in, 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 in school? Not a single one of you. Okay. So can anybody tell me where the, what the preposition is in the middle line there, the second line there? What's the preposition? Thank you. I don't know who said it, but th thank you. Finally, finally, somebody. In. That little bitty word. Okay, I in. You know, you look at that word and say, that's not important. Man, there's some important words in there. God, love, eternal, not perishing. In is an important word. You know why? Because a lot of people read that and they read it as if that preposition is a different word. They read it as if it, if it, as if it is saying that everyone who believes about Jesus, that believes about Jesus, that's not what it says there. It says, in Jesus. Now, some, some, some translations of the Bible say, on Jesus, believe on Jesus. Okay, that, that's pretty close. But I, I, I've always known that it doesn't say about, that it says in. But I want you to know, this week I actually did some study. I went, and I'm not a Greek scholar, I tell you that, okay? But, but I, I've, I did the study. I went to look and see what the actual Greek word there, and there is an actual Greek preposition that is there in the Greek text. You know, and so find out, okay, what, what is it that Luke remembers Jesus saying? He doesn't remember Jesus saying about. He remembers Jesus saying in, this Greek word, in. And, and, and here's, here's what this word kind of means, is especially when you put it between a verb and a noun, okay, like that, that the verb, you know, believes, and the noun, him, Jesus, that it means into or like entering in. And so what it means then is a belief that is entering in, all right? It means believing into Jesus. That's what it means. It means like there's something that is happening. It's not that I'm just believing about Jesus. It's not just that I'm believing that there is a Jesus. Not that I'm just believing that he is the Son of God, but I'm believing into him, that I'm entering into him through my belief and my faith. That's what this means. And so to say that, that I believe in Jesus, that, that doesn't mean that I believe about Jesus. It means I believe in Jesus. Something is happening inside of me. 
Things are supposed to be changing in me. My life is not supposed to be the same. What he's talking about here in John chapter 3, he's talking to Nicodemus, and he's just told Nicodemus that, that if you want to have eternal life, you, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born of the Spirit. So we're supposed to have a new life. The Bible talks about, uh, about old things passing away, all things becoming new. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about all your deserts becoming rivers of joy. How does that happen? That doesn't happen just because you believe. It happens when you go beyond believing into following. It happens when you, when you go into this place of a, of a belief that is transitioning you from who you are into following after him to becoming more like him. That's what this means. It's not just about, oh, I can say I believe in Jesus and now everything's going to work out. That's not the way it works. You know, I really can't say I believe in Jesus and then continue to lie, cheat, and steal. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, I, I, I'm saying I can't say I believe because some, I, I read this week someone said that, that Jesus said more ab about teaching us how to treat one another than he did about just anything. He said about anything else. I didn't do the study, so I don't know. I didn't look it up to see if he, this guy was telling the truth or not. But when he said that, it made me think, you know, he, Jesus did say a lot about how we treat one another. So I can't say I believe in Jesus and treat people just like I want to treat them. I cannot say I believe in Jesus. I can't really say I believe in Jesus and then talk any way I want to to the waitress this afternoon. Can I get an ouch or an amen here or something? Or maybe both. How about ouch and amen, Pastor? Uh, yeah, okay, I know. I was preaching really good there until I started meddling, wasn't I? I can't really say I believe in Jesus and then give everybody a piece of my mind in the next breath. I can't say I believe in Jesus. I can't really say I believe in Jesus and then wave at people with 20% of my hand when they cut me off in traffic. Just kind of flows as people start getting that, right? Just kind of flows there. I can't really say I believe in Jesus and not be a woman or a man of my word. You see, when you say I, you believe, when I say I believe in Jesus, I'm believing into him. I'm becoming like him. That's what this belief means. So it's not about just believing. It's about following after him. Let me, let me lay it out for you here just a little bit, okay? Next slide, Tommy. Believe, believers know God's ways are awesome. Followers live by them. Got that? You see the difference? Believers know. Believers can tell you about it. Believers can, can quote the scriptures. Believers can tell you about how amazing. But followers actually live by them and do them. Believers pray when the times get tough, but followers talk to God regularly. There, there's a difference. You say, now, 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 before you beat yourself up, let me, let, me, let me just say this right here, okay? We all begin as believers, okay? And, and in that beginning belief, you know, we don't really know how to pray very well. So all we know to pray about are our problems, right? So we don't even know how to go to God except when we have a problem and, and sometimes it's hard. But, but we got to get past that. We've got to get to a place where we're talking to God constantly, as I, or as I told you last week. As Paul said, pray without ceasing. That constant prayer is just talking to God all the time. You get there, and then, then you don't have to, you know, like Archie Bunker did on, uh, you know, All in the Family, how he had to introduce himself to God, you know, when he, came, when he came to pray at the table, right? You know, that I'm already in conversation with him so that when I've got a problem, boom, we're already talking, you know, and I can just throw that in, you know, while, while I'm talking to God. That's the difference in believing and following. Believing. It's about the head. It's up here. It's in here. But following gets in your feet. 
Following gets in your hands. Following gets in your arms. Following gets in your heart. Believing is about what goes on in your head. But following is, is about your feet going to places and people that need your help. Following is, is about your hands reaching out and helping somebody who is struggling. Following is about wrapping your arms around someone to, to protect them or, or to work and to do something for them. Following is about your heart caring and loving and sharing everything that you've got with the people that are around you. That's what the difference is between believing and following. And sometimes... That's why our deserts aren't turning into rivers of joy. It's because we're still at the starting line of believing, but we've got to go beyond that. Let me, let, let me, let me give you another one of these oars here just to explain a little bit more. How about titles? You into titles or you into towels? I'd really love to take a poll right now. Who, who, who knows what it, where I'm going with this, okay? Because some of you might get it, but others might not. Let, let me just go, take you there, okay? The night before Jesus died, Okay, he's with his disciples, uh, uh, last Passover, we, we, he changed it, to, now we call it the, the Lord's Supper or communion or those kinds of things and, and that we partake of in our small groups and, uh, and uh, also at, uh, at Overflow and those, those kinds of times we partake of it. And so when he's with his disciples, the night before, he knows what's about to happen to him. He knows he's about to die for the sins of the world. Jesus Christ had every right to say, guys, guys, let me have your attention. Hey, 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 I got to tell you something, guys i got to tell you something exciting. This time tomorrow night, I'm going to be a legend. little snicker right there, right? Because you can't hear Jesus say that, can you? But Jesus had every right to say that, didn't he? He did. He was like, hey, guys, let me tell you, by 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, I am going to be the Savior of this world, dying for every sin that has ever been committed, nailing it to the cross right beside me. Yeah, I, that's who I'm going to be. He had every right to say that kind of a thing. He, he, he could have he said, hey, guys, let me tell you what's going to happen. The, the things are going to happen in just the next few hours are going to make me more popular. I'm going to be more well-known than anybody who will ever live on the face of the earth. And that's true. He is more known by, by people throughout history, more people than, than, than anybody else. Uh, he is known by more people than anybody else that has ever lived. He had every right to stand up and say, this is who I am. Hey, guys, let me I'm going to be a legend tomorrow because he was a legend. He's a legend now. He is the Savior of the world now, and he is more well-known. He had every right to do that. Let me tell you about my titles, guys. He had every right to do that. But you know what he did? Let me show you. In John chapter 13, verse 4 and 5, so Jesus got up from the table. He took off his outer robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. This, 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 this king of kings, this lord of lords, this uh, lion of the tribe of Judah, this lamb that takes away the sins of the world, this, this, this one that was called Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. I mean, he had all, the, all these titles, Emmanuel. God with us. He had the name that was above all names, the Word of God says, that, that, that every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess is Lord. This one, Jesus Christ, who had all these titles, instead of, instead of in that moment saying, okay, guys, bow down to me, he bowed down to them. And he took the towel of right, you know, that, that sounds kind of weird to us, you know, towels, titles or towels. Uh, taking the towel was kind of similar to rolling up your sleeves getting busy helping somebody else about making you know he, he was here but he came down here and you and I we're down here but that's what he was doing as he was raising us up here 
the one that had every right to, to, to proclaim all those things, take advantage of, of having all of those titles. That one, he had it right, but he's the one that took the towel. You know, and I've seen the disciples all the time it seems like that they spent with Jesus. They were all interested in titles too. Now, if you go to the, to the sermon notes at church2911.com, slash connect and go to the sermon notes I got a lot of scripture I just didn't have time to throw at you here but I got here's like a good bit of scripture also got an article here about about how the, how the disciples died some of you don't know because it's not in the it's not in scripture and we we just have to look in historical accounts to see how how they died and there's an article there I really encourage you to go read that because it's interesting but here's the thing I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell you with this is the disciples were all interested in titles James and John said, you know, Jesus already told them, you're going to be with me in my kingdom. They started asking for something else, a little extra. Or or Simon Peter, he was that way as well. Simon Peter, he even even got his eyes on John. He said, well, what about John? And Jesus said, don't worry about John. Worry about yourself, buddy. They were all about titles until the cross. And when the cross happened, when they saw what Jesus was doing, it finally came to them. It took them three years. They stayed at the starting line. Until finally they saw the cross and they moved from being a believer to a follower. They moved from seeking titles to seeking towels. Because after that, every, every disciple besides Judas, every one of them died. I told you this last week. Every one of them died still proclaiming the word of God. Teaching it and preaching and writing it. They, they died. that, And all but one died a martyr's death from what we know in history. And that, that, that article is, is right there as well. Titles. You know, when, when you become a Christian, it's not about titles, it's about towels. When you become a Christian, it's not about t- titles, it's about towels. The, the disciples took three years to learn that. I mean, we still see them pretty much stumbling over themselves trying to figure it out. I don't want to be there three years from now. Some of you are brand new Christians. I don't want you to be there three years from now. Come on, let's move on past the starting line. You know, are, are, are you working for God? Are you working for God? Well, if you are, I want to give you something better to do. Really? Yeah. I want to give you something better to do. If you feel like you're working for God, I want to give you something better to do. Let me set it up right here by the scripture about Judas. You know Judas, right? We talked a little bit about Judas last week. In John chapter 12, verse 4 through 6. Now, uh, Jesus is, is having dinner, and a woman comes in, and she's got a really expensive bottle of perfume, and she breaks it open, and she begins to pour it over Jesus, you know, anoint him uh, and, and everything. And, and then Judas, Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray Jesus, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that Judas cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. I bet some of you didn't know that was actually in the Bible, that the Bible tells us what was wrong with Judas, okay? You know, it, I mean, and it wasn't just that he was a thief. I mean, there was a problem inside. You know, you know what the problem was? Well, he had been a believer, and now he was a worker. He'd been a worker all this time. Let me, let me see if I can explain this right here. Go to the next slide for me, Tommy, and let me let's read this together. When you work, you have another motive, okay? So, like, you work a job... Not because you love going to work your job. Now, there may be a couple of you out here, but you have a motive of making money to pay your bills, right? To have a life, to eat. You have another motive. So when you have that other motive, it's like work, you know? You ever heard that, you ever heard that saying, 
Find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. You know, uh, not many of us find that job, do we? You know, not many people get to do that. We work for another reason. Or maybe you work because your mom said you're getting a spanking if you don't take out the trash, right? And so you have another motive, you know, just self-preservation or whatever, you know. And so we have, that's what work is. Work is something we do with another motive. Serving is all about the act of serving itself. It's, a, it's about loving actually what you're doing and understanding this. You know, and here's what happened is the disciples, they finally figured it out. It took them three years. It took Jesus going to the cross, but they all figured it out. Guys, it's not about titles. It's about towels. Guys, it's not about working for God. It's about serving, serving us. They finally figured it out, all of them except Judas. He worked the whole time, and he worked in order to get something. You know, and, and listen, as you, you might beat yourself. Don't beat yourself up because we, that's where we begin. We begin by trying to do the right thing so, so that we can get God to give us stuff, you know, so God will bless us or God will, God will meet that need. You know, I had one guy come to me uh, that I pastored. He came to me. He said he was really ticked with God. He said, I've been doing everything I could. For the last two years, I've moved every chair I could. I've moved every table. I've swept everything just so God would reach my sons. And he still hadn't re- He was ticked with God over this thing. He, but the problem was he had been working for God. Instead of serving and figuring out what it was all about. And that's what, that's, what, that's what Judas was doing. He had been working for God. He'd been working for what he could get out. And when he wasn't getting out of it what he wanted to get out of it, he'd just take some of them his own. That's what Scripture said, right? And then when that wasn't enough, then he went to, you know, we talked about this last week. He went to the priest and, and made a deal for 30 pieces of silver. And he took a little bit more because it was, he was working for something else instead of serving God. Let me paint you, paint you this picture just a little bit. I, I think maybe you'll get it right here. It's about making the connection between the sweat and the tears and the people that you're serving. That's the difference in working for God and serving Him. It's when you make the connection. It's, it's, it's like this. It's like when, you set up, when you're here early on a Sunday morning and you're setting up chairs and you know why you're setting up chairs. It's when you're helping unload a trailer early on Sunday morning or loading it back on Sunday afternoon, and you know why you're unloading or loading up a trailer. Or when when you're driving the golf cart, and you know why you've been scheduled to drive the golf cart. Or why why you're uh, leading a small group. See, some of you, you you started, you're working for God. Or maybe you feel like you're working for Kyle. You know, Kyle keeps pushing you to lead a small group. And so, you know, I'm going to get him off my back. I'm going to lead a small group. Well, you're just working. You're just working for God. But when you, when you get it, when you understand, when you understand what you're doing by leading a small group, then you're no longer working for God or Kyle or anybody. You're serving. Then, then, it's like, then the light comes on. It's like when, when you're, if you're working in the nursery, if you're, uh, if you're holding babies or changing diapers. Okay, some of you are saying, yeah, that sounds like a lot of work to me. But not if you're one that gets it and you understand why you're holding babies and why you're changing diapers, why you're standing at a door and greeting somebody, why you, you're, you're putting all your time all week long into praying and getting ready to pray with somebody at the end of the service, and you understand the why. That's what serving is. It's making the connection and understanding how this thing all works out, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Let's move beyond. I hope nobody's working for God anymore after this sermon. Oh, we're all finding and understanding this is why we do what we do. Let me give you this last one, okay? And I don't have a lot of time here, so I'm going to have to hurry. It's going to be hard to hurry, but I'm going to try to hurry, okay? Here's the last one. Are you giving or are you investing? Sadly, 
not every, not, not even every believer is actually even giving. So, you know, you've got to start giving before I can help you get to the place of investing, okay? But we all begin there with giving. We don't really understand, but we give. Well, you know, if you hear the air conditioner running, you can understand a little bit of why we give, okay? Thank God for air conditioning, you know. We're not sitting on the floor today. We actually have some chairs to sit in. You know, we're not outside hoping that it doesn't rain today. You know, all these things. Okay, so we understand a little bit of the why we're giving, but it goes beyond that. There's an awesome story in 2 Kings chapter 4. Again, look, look right there. That's 30 verses, 30 verses. Even a slow reader can read that in two minutes, okay? I, you need to read this story right here. I don't have time to preach it for you, okay? But the story about this woman from Shunem, that's why we call her the Shunemite woman, okay? This awesome story right here about the difference in giving and investing. There were a lot of people who were givers in her day, but she was the investor. Let, let me tell you a little bit of the story. I'm going to have to hurry. don't have a lot of time here. i got a lot of things I want to say that we're going to throw up on the screen at you, okay? But in her day, the prophet of God was Elisha. Now, what that meant was he would come around at times, and he would come into her town, and, and, and you know, and he was kind of like the traveling preacher. They didn't have the Word of God like you had. They didn't have any of the New Testament, obviously, right, because it was before the New Testament it was, it even happened. So it couldn't be written. So they didn't have any of the teachings of Jesus, and they didn't have, like, they didn't have Bibles. They didn't have, I mean, you and I, we're, we're so spoiled. I mean, how many Bibles do we have? And we carry one with us all. If you've got a smartphone, you carry one all the time. They didn't have that. So they didn't have the Word of God. They didn't have church services like that. And so whenever the prophet would come around, you know, that was their opportunity maybe to ask him a question, to pray for his wisdom and guidance. Can, can you give me a word from God about something? So, so whenever he'd come around, you know, people that were trying to follow God, they wanted some time with Elisha. Now, it is no doubt to me that she was already a giver before the story starts where, where we pick it up there in verse 8. It's already obvious to me that she was already a giver because you don't go from zero to 100 normally like this because here's what she did is she went to her husband. She said, I want to do this. Now, he agreed. But it appears that it was her idea. You know, we don't know how much he agreed, but they did it, so he must have agreed some. But it was her idea. She said, why don't we build a room for Elisha up on the roof of our house so that he'll have a place to stay when he comes? Now, that's why I believe she was already giving. You know, she wouldn't have gone from no giving to, hey, let's build him a place to stay. She was probably already part of the ministry and giving, but she decided it's time for me to give something a little better, a little, a little stronger, a little deeper. You know? The more precious the commodity that you are investing, the greater the return you will receive. Okay, let me explain what I'm saying here. Is if you invest gold coins, you're going to get a lot more back than if you're investing copper coins, right? You're going to get a whole lot more invest and if you're a lot more return if you're investing gold than if you're investing pennies. Okay, in the same way. This is what she was doing. She was already giving. Everybody in town that was, that was following the man was probably giving him a little offering when he can't, tried to help him along his way and get to the next place and all of those things. But she said, I want to go beyond that. She builds the room. And so, so, so she, maybe she's understanding this, that, that the, the more precious the commodity that you're investing, the greater the return. So always give your best. And you know what your best is? It's not the last penny you've got in your, in your checking account. It's not the last bill in your billfold right now. The best you've got is yourself. That's what she was giving. By building this, this room, she was giving herself. She was giving her time. He was going to be there. She was going to have to fix more meals. You know, she, it's a, uh, but she was giving her time. He was going to be there. They would have more conversations. But that was what she was going after. I don't know if you picked this up or not, but Elisha, 
What I'm doing is I'm relating him to Jesus in our lives right here. When she was wanting more conversation with him, that's what you and I should be going after as well. More time with Jesus. More t- you know why? You know why? Uh, give me the next slide. Right there. Don't be satisfied with visiting Jesus. Make a place for him to live. That's what she was doing. There were plenty of places that uh, Elisha should probably get a meal. There were plenty of places he could go sit with somebody for a little while. There were probably plenty of places he knew he could knock on the door and say, hey, can I crash on your couch tonight? You know, plenty of places. But you know what she was doing? She assured that every time Elisha came to town, he was staying at her place because he didn't have to go ask. He didn't have to go stay in somebody's, you know, in somebody's living room and everybody walking around. He had his own place. She was assuring he would be there. Are you getting this? What are you doing to assure that Jesus is going to be right there? Because just Jesus' presence, just Jesus hanging around opens the opportunities for awesome in your life. Just having him around. And so that's what she was doing. She was assuring herself that that Elisha would always be there. And here's what happened. One day, Elisha, because they're just hanging around there, they're not hanging around downtown. They're not hanging around a park somewhere. They're not hanging around with any. They're hanging out at her house because that's where he's got a room. So he and his, his, his servant, they're hanging around, and Elisha says, hey, what have we done for this woman that has done all these nice things for us? And the servant said, we haven't done anything for her. And Elisha said, I wonder what she needs. And the servant says, well, you know what? She's getting kind of old, getting up in years, and she doesn't have a kid. And so I said, call her. And so he calls her in, and he speaks a word over her and says, about this time next year, you're going to have a, a child. She doesn't believe it, but it happens. She has a child. See, just having God around in your life opens the opportunities for the awesome to happen in your life. And, and, and when, when it happened, this, this was a lady who had never had a child. She had a baby a year later. And even for her husband, it was her idea. But she got, she got the ball rolling. Her husband jumped on board with it. And now he had a son. He had an heir. He was not going to be able to pass on the family name. He was not going to have a son. But now he did because of that, because of what she did. And then she went a little further. She didn't just make him a room. She furnished it. She gave him a chair and a table and a lamp and, and, and a bed. I mean, those were pretty good furnishings for the day. And she put all those things in there. Abundant returns don't come from skippy investments. You don't get the best from skimpy investments. And listen, some of you may say, well, all I really need is I just need a God that I can visit on Sunday morning for a little while. Well, you know what? That's really cheap. About a gallon of gas, that's all you got to do, right? And you can have a God to visit on Sundays. But is that all you want? Is that all you need out of your God? Is that all you really want out of him? And then just, just being a believer is going to be enough in a gallon of gasoline. But if you want some, I, I, I need something else. I, I, said, I said at the end of that service last week, I said, you know what? I, I need a God that when my grandbabies are sick, I can start calling out to him and I know he hears me. I need a God that when there's not enough money to get through the rest of the month, I can start calling out to him and I know he hears me. And he's already got the, the, the solution before I even tell him I got a problem. That's the kind of God I need. And that kind of God doesn't come with the gallon of gasoline just showing up to visit him. I don't want to visit him. I want him living with me. And you know, I'm trying, I'm, 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 I'm trying to hurry and finish right here, but I got to say this real quick, okay? Is we got a lot of people in our, I'm hearing this from people. Over the last few years, people that are buying houses and they're saying, 
I've, I've heard him say this. Well, you know, that house is almost perfect, but it doesn't have a place for small groups. Small group. I'm like, yes, you're getting it. You're getting it. It's not just about creating a space here. It's also about creating a space here. This place that my family, you know, if, if your deserts aren't becoming rivers of joy, maybe you need to be inviting more people carrying the rivers of joy coming into your house. You see, when you, when you host a small group, what you're doing is you're inviting other Christians to bring the presence of God into your house as well. Can I tell you also that the, the, the best small group I have attended at 2911, the very best one that I have ever attended at 2911 was one in my house that I hosted that I didn't even lead. John Gilmer led it. It was the best men's small group because of what was going on in the lives of these men and how they were getting the stuff that was happening and the fact that I think, I think almost half of the people that were coming to that small group weren't even, don't even come to 2911. And, you know, it's, it wasn't about me leading. It was about, man, getting all of this into my, and I look back and I realize later what a blessing it was to have this every single week, to have the presence of God in my house because he says we're two or three come together in his name. There am I, I am in the midst. And so it wasn't just, it wasn't just me and my, my little prayer time and me and my little study, but it was like bringing all this together and, and creating more and more space for God so that more and more opportunities for awesome could happen in my life. And, and here's, here's the last thing about this story right here is because she got, she got that baby. I told you that, right? But after he grew up just a little bit, one day he got a headache. They sent him to his mom. She held him all, all afternoon until he died. Yeah, he died. And she picked him up. What, do you, what, what am I going to do with him now? You know where she, where she went? She went to the room of the man of God, the one that she prepared. You remember that? The one that she built. And where did she put it? She laid him on the bed of the man of God, the one that she provided for him. Do you get that? And then she went and she found him, and he wasn't anywhere close. She went and she found him, and he said, well, let me send my servant. She said, nope, I'm not going home until you go with me. And he went back, and he went up in that room, and he prayed over the little boy, and the little boy came back to life. Get this. Here it is. The place she prepared and provided for somebody else became the place of her second miracle when her little boy came back to life. And so the things that we're doing, the, not about the believing, not about the, the, the titles, and not about the, 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 the working, not about the giving, it's, but it's about the deeper. When we get to that other deeper part, when we start following, when we start being about the towels, when, when, it, when, it's, when it's about the serving and investing, that's, that's when we begin to see these opportunities out before us where God actually can bring to us the miracles that we need. And that's when our deserts can begin to be rivers of joy in our life. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and pastoral staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer requests by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.